Let's get it going for a Thursday edition of Midday on the Rural Radio Network. I'll tell you what, I I cannot understand, Dave, how you're in that hoodie right now. Yes, well, there is a duct in the newsroom that's pouring cold air directly on me. So It's the cold air you aren't getting in here. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) All right. But it's it's, it's comfortable in there. Well, wonderful. Yeah, let's package it up and put a box in here, shall we? Yeah, it's a little warm here. We're we're doing the HVAC work here uh, at KRBN, uh, our our top... uh, our anchor station for the network and mm-hmm. it's i gotta tell you it, it's a meltdown here in the studio today. but i think maybe dave is just showing up in this sweatshirt to show you that he's tougher than you are <laughs> <laughs> Listen, how I'll, hot can it get dave, here i'll concede the point okay uh susan uh is uh, on the road here and where do we find susan littlefield today oh she's back in surprise back oh. in surprise okay but yesterday you were surrounded by bankers I was. I tell you, you want to talk about overload of economic. It was like a flashback to college. Um, <laughs> KSU had their big ag lenders con- uh, conference yesterday in Manhattan, and the room was packed. They had to bring in extra chairs. And okay. one of the ag econ professors said it best, that why do you guys always show up when things are going bad? <sighs> you need to be here when things are going good as well in the industry. So it was yeah. kind of a little tongue-in-cheek, you know, to them only showing up when things don't look so pretty out in the countryside. But well, little poke, poke, poke there, huh? It was, and I didn't see a single combine moving between Surprise and Manhattan. Really? Not one? Not one. I can't believe that. Okay. I know. It's crazy. Well, we're going to talk a little markets. Dewey is coming up at 117 with Aaron Bertels of Water Street Solutions. I said that uh, Bob Brogan's going to love my 1245 today. It's with Dr. Brian Brigham, he's an ag econ professor at KSU. We're talking macroeconomics oh, yeah. and a little bit of interest rates going on within not only the ag industry, but just in general across the country. And it is pork month, and uh, Chad Moyer will have the folks from the National Pork Producers at 117 talking about pork month and Cowboy Troy, who is a part of the, big, uh, of the band Big and Rich. Oh, yeah. He has a new song out that he's helping to promote the pork industry, and if you're hungry, Check it out. It's all about pork chops. All right. Very good. Thank you, Susan. Let's go over to Jason Jorgensen on sports. State softball tournament, second day in Hastings. Some elimination games today, earlier in Class A. It was Miller North. They knocked out Grand Island 11-3. Late in the seventh, North Star had a 9-5 lead over Millard West. And Class C, Shattered advanced with a 13-5 win over Guardian Angels Central Catholic. And it was Auburn in Class C, eliminating Fillmore Central Exeter Milligan 15-4. Of course, games will take place throughout the rest of today. Also, we'll talk some Husker Volleyball. You had to figure it would the run would end somewhere. Some point, that's a hard team to beat, though. Yeah, especially Wisconsin ended their place last night. The Huskers dropped it in four, and we'll talk some Major League Baseball. I uh, folks in Cleveland today. <laughs> I wouldn't want to be there. Why are many people didn't show up for work? Yeah, Ooh. yeah. Lost to the Yankees. Those darn Yankees. All right, Dave Schroeder on business. Yes, President Donald Trump is pushing Republicans to support his tax overhaul, and he spoke as he signed an executive order on health care today. He's seeking a tax overhaul that would dramatically cut corporate tax rates, reduce the number of personal income tax brackets, and boost the standard deductions. All of this and more coming your way today on Midday. 
Now we're always talking about cold fronts and warm fronts here on our midday ag weather with Paul Perkins. We've got kind of a, call it a media meteorological phenomenon going on right now. Exactly. I guess they're hanging meat on the other side of the building because it's so cold. But we're steaming over here. It is, it is incredible. People over there are fleeing to this side of the building because of this disparity with the air conditioning on full blast trying to keep it cool on this side. But... It's a, I've actually decided to allow everybody on that side of the building, on the cold side, to take a big, deep breath, run over here into the studio, and blow. That's how bad it is here in the studio, changing out our HVAC system. Yeah, currently 87 here at the KRV in studios. And 58 outside, just outside that window that will not open. <laughs> exactly. The soundproof window. And many people probably don't realize that even in the coldest night, in the middle of the deadest part of winter, yeah. we have the AC always going on in yeah. the KRVN studio because of all the equipment put in off all the That's ambient right. heat off We've of it. We've got so. our own heaters right, right here. <laughs> Paul Perkins joins us for the Ag Weather, brought to you by Holdridge Irrigation. And I want to thank Dirk for not sending me the email to address cool today. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, temperatures right now, very nice out there, upper 50s to low 60s, headed towards a nice day across the region. Temperatures mild today with some mainly light winds in advance of a cold front getting closer from the northwest. We'll see the passage of that cold front in the overnight tonight. That'll switch our winds around to the northeast and drop our temperatures tomorrow about 10 degrees. Some thunderstorms possible in eastern areas of Nebraska and Kansas tomorrow right near that front. As this starts to move into the east during the peak heating of the day, a few of those storms could be strong or severe but not expecting a big severe weather outbreak. Now tomorrow night into Saturday night, the entire area Looking at the prospects for some scattered to light rain as some low pressure tracks across the east or east across the plains. Some light amounts of rain, maybe a quarter of an inch or less, are expected. Not expected to see the big rainouts that we saw last weekend with those Friday night football games. High pressure will clear out the skies for Sunday and next week. Then we'll see a big strong ridge of high pressure take hold over the eastern U.S. next week. That's going to result in some dry weather and very mild temperatures, and we could be looking at highs next week, especially later in the week here in Nebraska and Kansas in the upper 70s to 80s. We're already expecting to see some highs in the mid-80s over northwest Kansas for today. In our long-term forecast, the high likelihood of warmer-than-normal temperatures is forecast to continue in Nebraska and Kansas Tuesday through October 25th. In fact, nearly all of the U.S. is forecast to be warmer than normal Tuesday through the 25th, the exception over in the northwest U.S. That will help out with the harvest progress and also helping out in that harvest progress here in our area, the low number of rainfall for Nebraska and Kansas Tuesday through the 25th. In the latest drought monitor, nearly all of Nebraska remains drought-free. The only areas of abnormal dryness to moderate drought are found in most of Cherry County, the southern half of the Panhandle, and the far southeast corner. In Kansas, there's abnormal dryness in a strip basically from Osborne south to Ashland and from Abilene into the, about the southeast corner of Kansas. It's abnormally dry to a moderate drought from Marysville into the far northeast corner of Kansas. Weather factors driving the markets today include slow harvest progress in the Midwest, and a week of dry conditions in central Brazil. Harvest progress in the Midwest will be helped by a drier pattern in the next week to 10 days. That progress, though, looks to be slow in western areas, especially Iowa, after some recent heavy rain and more showers are expected this weekend. The northern plains will see favorable harvest progress this next week with warmer and mostly dry conditions. Those dry conditions also expected 
in the Delta and Southeast to help out with the harvest and field work. That's good news for the Southeast after they've seen some very heavy rain from a number of tropical systems. Recent rains in the Southern Plains helped out the newly planted wheat get started, but also delayed the planting for some. The drier conditions this weekend will help to improve those planting conditions. Central Brazil forecast to be hot and dry for another week. This has growers that are concerned about reduced soil moisture for the recently planted soybeans. Argentina will also be dry, but that's going to be helpful for their planting. The Argentina soil moisture supply in good shape after heavy rain last month. So the good news in next week's forecast is almost perfect for harvesting. Yeah, um, it's going to be perfect. You know, kind of delays the onset of the cold weather for one thing, but mm-hmm. yeah, it's going to be perfect for uh, harvest uh, dry and warm. And of course, a lot of people going nuts yesterday with the harvest uh, going full steam ahead. We were out on a harvest uh, harvest break uh, delivering some meals and a lot of combines in the fields and we kind of ran out of those mules rather quickly because there were a lot of people out and about <laughs> harvesting yesterday all right very good uh we'll remind you that our ag weather is brought to you by holdridge irrigation and when you need weather anytime krbn.com Research project led by Nebraska scientists is recognized today. Shaylee Peters on the Rural Radio Network as we take a check of ag news. The project is being recognized for its efforts to reduce foodborne illness caused by sugar toxin producing E. coli. The Coordinated Agricultural Project, or CAP, on E. coli has been selected for a partnership award from the National Institute of Food and Agriculture, the research arm of the U.S. Department of Agriculture. The award in the Mission Integration category honors the E. coli project for integrating research, education, and extension for the benefit of agriculture, the environment, communities, or people. It is clear that the shigatoxin-producing E. coli coordinated agricultural project is having major cross-functional impacts on beef safety, research, and education, with positive public health implications continuing for years to come, said University of Nebraska Lincoln Chancellor Ronnie Green, who nominated the project for the award. And in other ag news, Dow AgroSciences will launch a genetically engineered soybean seed that has been barred by major importers under tight controls in the United States next year. The company said yesterday as it ceased to avoid rolling global trade while making sales to farmers. Archer Daniels Midland Company, one of the world's largest grain companies, will oversee the handling of the harvest to keep them out of Europe and China, which have not yet approved imports of the soybeans. Dow is also coping with long regulatory reviews by China and Europe importers that have frustrated the U.S. seed sector for years with slow approvals for new GMO crops. The company first submitted E3 soybeans for clearance in Europe in 2012 and in China in 2013. U.S. Secretary of Agriculture Sonny Perdue today expressed strong support for the tax reform agenda championed by President Donald Trump, hailing it as a great benefit to American agricultural producers. President Trump highlighted the tax reform proposals in an event in Pennsylvania featuring truckers and representatives of the trucking industry. Purdue issued the following statement, quote, the president's proposed tax cuts and reforms will boost job creation and growth across all American economic sectors and agriculture is no different. Some of the benefits are self-evident, such as eliminating the death tax on family farms or reducing the time and expense involved in merely complying with the onerous tax code. 
but others help agriculture in less obvious ways, as in easing the burden on truckers. Without the trucking industry, many products of American agriculture would have a much more difficult time getting to market. Anything that helps keeps trucks on the road and facilitates commerce is good for the farmers, ranchers, foresters, and producers of American agriculture. And finally, CME Group Incorporated plans no further moves to reduce volatility in its cattle futures market after making a series of changes to rein in wild price swings that drove away hedgers, a managing director said on Wednesday. Over the past two years, the exchange operator, which owns the Chicago Mercantile Exchange and other markets, has cut trading hours, implemented new rules on order messaging, and taken other steps to limit volatility in its cattle market. Right now, we don't think there's a problem to solve, so trying to do something different wouldn't make a lot of sense, Tim Andreessen, CMA's Managing Director of Agricultural Products, said at the Reuters Commodity Summit. Generally, the feedback we're getting from the industry is it's working. Let's leave it where it is. More recently, the percentage of hedgers in the market has increased, Andreessen said, without providing specific data. However, some traders said price swings continue to make it difficult to enter or exit future positions at times. Find more on this story and all of our ag news, podcast, and audio features by visiting ruralradio.com with a look at your ag news. I'm Shaley Peters on the Rural Radio Network. Dewey Nelson on the Rural Radio Network. USDA's World Agricultural Supply and Demand Estimates crop production figures came out over an hour ago. And we talked with Aaron Bertels of Water Street Solutions about this. Did anything really surprise you, Aaron? I guess I was surprised to see that they were willing to commit themselves to really moving these yields around with, with how slow harvest has been in most of these places, especially in the states that... We don't, you know, there were question marks going in that we don't really have as much information out of as we'd like to, like a, a South Dakota, North Dakota, um, Iowa, Minnesota, a lot of those places being over 20 points behind. So to see them really commit on changing the soybean yield, moving it down, and moving the corn yield up like they did uh, was probably the biggest surprise to me coming out of this. Well, if you've noticed that uh, that soybean uh, estimate is really uh, uh, taking charge because the corn has kind of followed soybeans. Yeah, soybeans is really the positive thing coming out of this or the friendly thing coming out of it. I mean, you saw the yield drop, and first time ever that we've had more than 90 million acres planted. So they increased harvested acres as well, up about 700,000. So you really saw that kind of offset each other. But now the question for everybody is, as you look at this, if the yield came down now, does it need to come down more? And that's something we've heard from our clients in the east that they've gotten further into harvest with beans is that their yields were dropping off as they got further into this and actually ended up below what their numbers would be from last year. So this will be a question that will be raised for everybody. We know people like to be long beans, so this makes it even harder. So a 430 million carryout, while that's a 45 million drop, is not friendly. That's a big number. But yet people like to be long beans. We have huge demand in beans. They're looking at South America planting less beans. So you, And beans overall haven't wanted to go down right now as it is. So... This will be a tough one to answer, and it's going to be interesting to watch these yields as you get into some of these unknown states, uh, or the states that uh, you know were question marks, and seeing what's really coming out and seeing what the direction of that market wants to be. We're talking with Aaron Bertels of Water Street Solutions, and we have been so range-bound in this corn market for the last, over well, six weeks or so, and there was thoughts maybe we could bust out of it. I'm not sure we can. Do you? 
It's going to be tough to hang on here. There's a lot of people, I'm sure, that with these numbers that came out today would like to still be short corn. Um, you know, they'd love to uh, to take this down a little bit further from here. But, you know, obviously with beans doing what they're doing, it makes that difficult. And really the carryout didn't change that much today. You know, you didn't have it uh, with a huge or what seemed like a huge number in yield going up almost two bushels. Uh, you didn't have a big adjustment in the carryout. Well, it's it's still huge, and we know that, and that to me is what would make them want to still take this down. And if we didn't have beans in the picture, uh, with what came out with wheat too, we would see corn going down. Uh, it's still a, a question mark for them as to, okay, if beans are going to go up, uh, are we going to be able to get everybody on one side to be able to take corn down at the price that we are currently? Because we're already pretty low. We know we could go lower with the numbers that we have in front of us because we saw that last year. We went lower with very similar numbers. Um, and that's the question mark for them right now is if everybody's not going to jump on that train, they know they can't make money going down if not everybody's going to join them. So that's going to be something we'll have to see as we move forward and see what those yields, again, do in some of those states that are question marks because this one was even harder for me to, to see them raising this yield uh, because of those states and because of how much or how little harvest we really have done at this point. Thanks for the comments, Aaron. Aaron Bertels, Water Street Solutions. Go to waterstreet.org for more information. You're listening to the Midday Program on the Rural Radio Network. It's time for us to check sports, and here's Jason Jorgensen. Hey, thanks, Dirk. Well, Wisconsin certainly got some revenge last night against Nebraska in Big Ten Volleyball. It's a Badgers down the Lady Huskers in four sets. Now, the Huskers had rallied to beat Wisconsin in five sets earlier this month in Lincoln. The defeat also was the first in conference play this year for the Huskers. Jazz Sweet led Nebraska with 11 kills. Brianna Holman added nine kills and three blocks. The Huskers are back in action on Saturday when they take on Purdue. Preseason practice is underway for the Nebraska women's basketball team. Now year one for head coach Amy Williams was certainly a tough one as the Lady Huskers went just 7-22. and Coach Williams has a few new pieces to work with this fall, including prize freshman recruit Taylor Kissinger of Minden. And Williams says Kissinger's up to a promising start. She's in range most of the time when she steps in the gym, and, and, um, and that's going to be just huge to have another perimeter threat like Taylor. And she's working very hard to kind of um, make the adjustment defensively and rebounding-wise to, uh, to this level. And Kissinger was an all-stater at Minden despite missing big chunks of both her junior and senior seasons for the Whippets. And you will host Minnesota State man Cato in an exhibition game on November 5th. There's another win or go home game in baseball tonight as the Nationals host the Cubs in Game 5 of their NL Divisional Series. Kyle Hendricks pitches for the World Series champion Cubs after beating Steven Strasburg 3 to nothing in the opener. Washington manager Dusty Baker has been non-committal about his starter with Gio Gonzalez and Tanner Rourke the most likely candidates. The NL East champions return home after saving their season last night with a 5-0 win at Wrigley Field. The Nationals also made it to the playoffs in 2012, 2014, and 2016, but fell in the first round each time. The winner heads on to L.A. to play the Dodgers in the NL Championship Series, which starts on Saturday. And the Yankees are back in the American League Championship Series for the first time in five years after taking the final three games of their ALDS series against the Indians. Didi Gregorius was a hero last night. He went three for four with a pair of home runs to lead the Yankees to the 5-2 win. 
Well, today is the second day of the NSAA State Softball Tournament. Earlier today in Class A, it was Miller North eliminating Grand Island 11-3. Lincoln North Star beat Millard West. In Class C, Shadron stayed alive with a 13-5 win over Guardian Angels Central Catholic. And Auburn eliminated Fillmore Central Exeter Milligan 15-4. And there is NFL football action tonight with Philadelphia at Carolina. That's a look at sports. Have a great day. I'm Jason Jorgensen. Stay tuned. More Midday is just ahead. You are listening to the Rural Radio Network. Mostly clear this evening with a low of around 45 for Friday. Mostly sunny with a high near 62. From the KRVN News Center, I'm Scott Foster. Cozad Fire and Rescue responded to a house fire on Wednesday about 11 miles north of Cozad. The call came in around 1230, according to Fire Chief Dan Niles. Niles says it started in the bedroom on the main floor with the bedroom fully engulfed in flames at one point. But Niles says the door to the room was closed at the time and the fire largely went out due to a lack of oxygen. There was heavy smoke damage throughout the rest of the house. The state fire marshal's office was contacted to help determine the cause of the fire. The American Red Cross is assisting the residents who were affected by the fire. The joys of owning a pet also come with the reality that someday you'll have to say goodbye. A Kansas State University veterinarian and clinical professor, Susan Nelson, says euthanasia is a difficult decision and one that can be very stressful, especially if you're not sure when to proceed. She suggests keeping a log of your pet's behavior. There'll be days when you're convinced this is time, your pet's letting you know, then they tend to rally. And so you go through this emotional roller coaster of good days and bad days, and so it can be a really hard time. So keeping that log, and then when you start seeing that there's more of those bad days than good days, is probably time. Because of our emotional attachment and the fact that the pet's health often gradually declines, Nelson says asking a close friend or trusted family member for their opinion might be helpful. University of Nebraska Kearney Chancellor Doug Christensen met with faculty and staff Wednesday to outline a plan to address budget challenges. We're going to have to look at some strategic ways to change the way we spend and to staff us correctly. So... To do this, we've asked that everything get put on the, on the table. UNK currently has a budget gap of about $2.6 million due to reduced state appropriations, increased salaries and benefits, along with lower-than-expected tuition revenue. Christensen said that as reduction plans are finalized, they will strive to protect UNK's highest priorities in academic quality and affordable access. A Grand Island man has been accused of using stolen credit card information to make dozens of purchases. Authorities say 31-year-old Angel Martinez-Coca faces 52 counts, including 38 for forgery. Hall County jail records say he remained in custody Thursday. Online court records don't list the name of the attorney who could comment for Martinez-Coca. Police say the fraudulent credit card transactions occurred from February into July. Investigators think the card information was taken from skimmers used on gasoline pumps and then programmed onto credit card blanks. Replay the game, interview, or feature you missed by catching a podcast from the front page of KRVN. In the News Center, I'm Scott Foster. macroeconomic and interest rate outlook. Not probably the most exciting talk over the lunch hour, but it will be educational. 
Good afternoon. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Yesterday, Kansas State University held an agricultural lenders conference. I sat down with Dr. Brian Brigman. He's part of KSU's Ag Economics Department. And we talked about where we're sitting within the ag industry with some interesting loopholes when it comes to doing hiring and the need to do some dialing back. The U.S. economic recovery has been fairly tepid since you know we've come out of the financial crisis. It's been tough finding its footing and a lot of it is just because the crisis was really bad and it really hurt our economy. So we've been growing you know anywhere around two percent or so on GDP growth and that's what many are forecasting going forward. Um, so it's it has kind of hurt labor markets Right. And for us in the United States, that's a really important thing because we are a nation of consumers. Roughly 70 percent of our GDP comes from consumption. So where do we get our money to consume? Well, from working. Um, so but the labor market has improved. Um, we're starting to see some more improvements there. Uh, and also, too, that feeds right into you know, rural America and agriculture. I do a lot of work with farmer cooperatives. And in fact, one of the things that I'm starting to hear from farmer co-op CEOs is that the competition to hire quality labor is going up. It's more difficult because many within the non-ag industry are able to offer stronger wages and stronger salaries. So we are seeing some improvements, just not enough to really have us rebound strongly from the financial crisis. You talk about that. I remember the 80s were like, you are mm-hmm. saying in there, you don't think the 1980s in its fullness is going to repeat itself. Right. The big reason why I do not feel we're going to have a 1980s debt crisis like what we experienced before is because we are in a lower interest rate environment. Uh, Typically agriculture does well in that. So we have seen farm incomes have dropped off their peaks really significantly, yet land values haven't fallen off a great deal. We haven't seen the forced land sales and the bankruptcies like what we saw back in the 1980s. And I would argue a lot of that is just because of the lower interest rates. But If an individual is giving advice to a younger farmer, for them to realize, like, look, the good times that we experienced from 2010 to 2014, that's not the norm. What we're in right now is a bit more normal, right? You know, we made, many farmers made more money than they've ever made in their entire lives in that short time span, you know, around 10 to 14 or so. Uh, Now, it's depressed, but if you set your expectations on how I can upgrade my machinery, how I can buy farmland, how I can, you know, have family expenditures like vacations and, you know, car purchases, house purchases, if I'm setting those based off of the money we earned in 10 and 14, yeah, that is not right. <laughs> and I think that's more where the advice from farmers who are experienced, who went through the 80s, who realized to get through a tough time, you have to pinch pennies, you have to watch costs, you have to be as efficient as possible. Um, and if you can do that, yeah, there will be opportunities for you in the future, but we have to reset it. So not that I think we're going to be in an 80s type crisis. It could happen, but I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, but we need to take that advice from those more experienced farmers who went through that time. It is some good sound advice because many of the, the younger producers, and even some of the older ones as well, 
have made those purchases, the, the lake home, the, mm -hmm. the jet ski, the, the extra camper, because right. they want to take those vacations, at what point right. do you have to say, I need to dial back? And, and, that's, and that's where we're at today. Uh, farmers, when we look at some of the KFMA data, the Kansas Farm Management Association data that we collect here uh, at Kansas State University, uh, would indicate to us that household expenditures have elevated, which you would expect during the high income years. But now that incomes have fallen off, those expenditures are not coming down. And a lot of it is because the recreational spending, the family living type spending is remaining high. So we need to have a reset. We have to go out there and make some of those tougher uh, cuts within our own family budget in order to make it through this tough environment. With the, with the set of the changing of the chair in the feds, is that mm -hmm. gonna set the tone? As we go into 2018 and beyond? As I look at who sets in the chair position for the Federal Reserve, you know, Board of Governors, and, and who leads the Federal Open Market Committee, that has a lot of say in how monetary policy is conducted. Um, certainly, uh, all the different FOMC members, they bring their reports, they bring, you know, their knowledge to the decision of how should monetary policy be set. Um, I know here within the uh, 10th District, uh, Federal Reserve President of 10th District of the Kansas City Fed, Esther George, uh, she has input into that decision process. The chair position is a little bit, you know, stronger, uh, as one would maybe expect. Uh, certainly voices are heard, but whoever sits in the chair position, that tends to kind of set the tone largely for how monetary policy will be. And what we've had here uh, recently is a more, uh, you know, accommodative monetary policy. So low interest rates, quantitative easing, uh, those kind That's part of my conversation with Dr. Brian Brigman. He is on the staff at Kansas State University in their Ag Econ Department. And he was one of the speakers at Kansas State University's Agricultural Lenders Conference yesterday. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Let's get an assessment of this livestock futures trade today with Joe Teal, Great Plains Commodities. Joe? Yeah, let's uh, start out by just calling it what it is. A down day in livestock uh, uh, over in the cattle. Uh, uh, I think a little disappointment uh, hit the market. Uh, no, I haven't heard of any uh, trade out in the country. Uh, and what we've seen so far this week has just been a scattering of uh, uh, trade. And, uh, yes, it's been at higher money, but, uh, you know, it's almost not enough to uh, uh, warrant any uh, constructive uh, criticism of so uh, at this point uh, I think we ran into a little bit of disappointment there and it started basically in the feeders when the, when the grain report came out at 11 o'clock and uh, uh, we had uh, uh, the grains shoot up pretty quickly led by the uh, soybeans but it definitely uh, affected the uh, corn uh, dragging in along with it and uh, that put some pressure on the, the feeders which then kind of spilled over into the uh, live cattle uh, during the day. Cutouts at noon were a little bit higher, but uh, light test on the uh, boxes. So there wasn't really uh, much to go with there. Uh, and uh, so it brought on some uh, further liquidation as uh, the end of the day came around. Over in the hogs, uh, trying to uh, stay higher, cash was higher uh, this morning. So uh, it appeared that things were going pretty well. Cutouts were higher at noon. But the fact that the uh, October contract uh, expires tomorrow, uh, still at a premium to the index, even though the index has come a long way and has closed up, uh, still uh, wasn't enough. 
Thanks, Joe. Joe Teal, Great Plains Commodities. Call 800-328-0134. Chad Moyer with you here on the Rural Radio Network. Well, here we are, find ourselves in the month of October, and it is National Pork Month. Terry O'Neill from Friend, Nebraska. He is currently serving as president of the National Pork Board. Terry, thanks for visiting with us here today. First of all, happy Pork Month to you. What does this recognition or this uh, celebration mean to you and, and your fellow pork producers? Terry. Well, October is always pork month for pork producers. We actually nicknamed it Porktober. So we are celebrating pork by uh, doing various promotions throughout the state and nationally uh, to celebrate pork month. As you know, we have a lot of pork available during this month. Uh, those pigs that are born in the spring tend to tend to go to uh, processors and uh, late Late summer, early fall, and October has lots of pork available uh, for consumers to uh, enjoy. Just quickly, some national campaigns that have just been rolled out here in the last week or two. Uh, This Pork Chop song that was released earlier this week and working with cooks across the country, kind of new efforts for the pork board, right? Yeah, there's a little jingle by Cowboy Troy, as I understand it. It has a pork chop in the word, so that's going to be something we're going to be all over as far as promoting pork during October. And then we've got uh, three chefs. They're going to come together and uh, uh, do a little competition as far as providing a, a new uh, pork idea, as far as a new recipe and things like that. So uh, we got a lot of things going on as far as promoting pork at the national level. At the state level, there are certainly things going on here in Nebraska as well, and you can't be in Nebraska without talking about football and uh, uh, some tailgating opportunities that have that have happened and will happen, right? That's exactly right, Chad. Uh, of course, you know, brats are great for tailgates. Uh, pulled pork is great for tailgates. We actually did a tailgate with two of my uh, uh, former past presidents from the uh, state of Nebraska, uh, Bill Lucky and Brian Zimmerman. We did uh, two all hogs for a big iron auction service that served over 600 people at Nebraska's uh, last week football game. And we had a great time. Uh, people really enjoyed the pork. Uh, we pulled the pork, and we also had brats. We had candied bacon. So it was a good tribute to uh, Porktober, if you will. Now, what's coming up this, this next weekend? It's, it's a morning tailgate that pork producers are involved in, right? That's exactly right, uh, Chad. We've got Nebraska pork producers putting on one. At, I believe it's 27th and Pine Lake in the morning uh, of the football game, the Ohio State game. And we are going to have, around 9.30, we're going to have Leslie McQuiston, who happens to be Nebraska's very own America's Pig Farmer of the Year, just newly announced. She will be there introducing um, our governor. Pete Rick will also be there. And uh, Lord willing, if uh, we're not in the field, I will be there too. So you're going to see a lot of uh, people there. They're involved in ports including the governor, and it should be a good time. There will be a lot of great food there at the tailgate put on by Nebraska pork producers uh, in the morning of the football game against Ohio State. As you know, uh, a lot of people 
uh, or very few people live on the farm anymore, and we're so far removed from the farm that consumers have a lot of questions about how we raise pork. Thanks so much for visiting with us. Appreciate the conversation. You're very welcome, Chad. Anytime. That's Terry O'Neill, president of the National Pork Board, and an update on Pork Month activities here in October. Here on the Rural Radio Network, Chad Moyer reporting. Dewey Nelson on the Rural Radio Network. Today was USDA Report Day. Joining us is John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniels Ag Marketing in Chicago and publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. We've discussed this before. It was bullish for soybeans. Were there other crops that it might have been or other commodities that might have been bullish after this report? You know, the, the, the report really, I guess, was bullish beans. I, I don't know. I mean, I think the knee-jerk reaction for all of this stuff is is kind of what you see at a bottom where now now what are we going to sell on? You know, we've got the yield hikes. We're at the 171 level for corn. We're at the 49.5 for beans. 49 is some change now. And I think, um, you know, the market, it, it needs fuel, especially on the sell side. And these funds have pushed this price to a point where there just isn't a lot to squeeze out of it anymore. And I think you saw some short covering after the close uh, or after the report came out, even on a bearish number. And that's a really good sign. And markets that we follow here, like oats and copper, that tend to be good leading indicators, are all screaming higher. So, um, you know, while it doesn't make a lot of sense for corn to rally, I think we've bottomed here, and um, I wouldn't be shocked to see these push on 360 here pretty quickly. We get around that point, that's where this gets a little difficult. You know, you're going to be harvesting uh, crops here. Obviously, you want to move them. Uh, looking forward to JFM. I, I'm not really that optimistic we're going to see much of a, of a move above, say, 375 on that march. And, and I think that high could come in early in the trade, meaning we could see 375 March hit while that December's still front month. So I'd be getting with your, your co-ops and your elevators. If you've got to move stuff around Jan 1, 375 March might be a good spot for it. Now, what do you say to wheat producers, given the fact, again, it was bearish? Well, I, you know, I think it was more spreading, to be honest, on the on the wheat side. I, I don't see a lot of data here that's, uh, you know, really bearish or bullish one way or the other. Um, you know, nothing new. Um, it's just one of those trades, I think, in the short term that, uh, you know, the, that uh, I, it's, 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 it's going to be a lagger. It's either going to be the whipping post or a lagger, and hopefully we can see some of these outside markets move higher and get wheat to move. I think acreage is going to be something that's bullish uh, as we get into the, uh, the end of the year. Uh, but right now, just not a whole lot to write about. They didn't even really touch on the Australian story as much as I thought they would either. Thanks, John. John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst, Daniels Ag Marketing in Chicago. Go to DanielsAgMarketing.com. We'll give you a little bit of a review as corn finished three to three and three quarters higher. Soybeans jumped to 23 to 26 and three quarters. But it was uh, a negative for the wheat. Chicago wheat, two and a half to three and a quarter lower. Kansas City, two lower. Minneapolis spring wheat futures, six and a quarter to seven and a half lower. Again, go to DanielsAgMarketing.com. Dewey Nelson reporting.